Hey guys, it's Adam. I wanted to talk to you really quick about Buzzsprout. Um, Buzzsprout's a place where you can get your own podcast launched and you can start today for free. I recently started using Buzzsprout and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I was moving my uh, podcast from one host to another and I ran into a little bit of a snag, but guess what? Buzzsprout had me covered. They helped me out. They interacted with me over email. It was almost real-time chat, and they got my problem solved within minutes. So you can't pay for better tech support. I think the thing is, with most companies, if you get a good place that has good customer service and good support, you can't go wrong there. And they make it easy. It's not hard when you have the right partners like that and the right support like that. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed, and you can join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out into the world. So really, all you need is a quiet place, some gear you already have, like me, I'm using my phone right now and a, and a laptop, uh, and I'm getting this podcast out there, and I'm recording this, uh, this promo. So follow the link in the show notes, and that's going to let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. And if you sign up for a paid plan, it shows that you help support this podcast right here. I would really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks again. And back to the show. Hey, guys, it's Adam with another episode of the podcast. Hey, if you haven't done so already, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Casper and buy me a coffee for this free content that I'm giving out to you guys on my own spare time. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to be talking about doing nothing. Making your dog do nothing and enjoying doing nothing. It's a big concept. A lot of people use, um, a lot of people use crate training and place training for this kind of concept. So for those folks that, uh, you know, might be outside of North America and, or might have some sort of, um, opposition, let's say, to uh, using crates for confinement um, for your dog. Place training is a thing for you, but this episode is about teaching your dog the value of doing nothing and why you should teach it. So before we really get into it, um, let's talk about uh, Right CBD, R-Y-T-E-C-B-D.com, um, the best uh, CBD for your pet or for your own personal uses. They have all kinds of different things that uh, I use personally, my family uses, my friends use, and uh, a lot of our dogs use it. And I've, I found it very beneficial for my dog, Allie, who's getting a little bit older now. She's uh, nine going on 10 years old. And sometimes these cold mornings out in the winter, she has a hard time moving around. But with the CBD, uh, seems like it just kind of loosens up the joints a little bit, maybe uh, helps out with the inflammation. And I certainly know for a lot of my clients with uh, dogs with anxiety issues, Issues, it helps out greatly with that. So check out rightcbd.com and that's rytecbd.com. Don't forget also, guys, follow me on social media. Um, quick warning, I don't really pay attention to Facebook, but uh, I do kind of respond to things through uh, Instagram and Twitter. So you can find me at Casper Dog Training out there. So um, what we're going to be talking about today is the art of doing nothing and having your dog do nothing. Uh, why it's important why it's critical, and why it's actually a skill your dog needs to um, learn. So in prior episodes, we talked about dealing with um, demand barking or how to deal with um, you know a dog with lots of energy. Um, lots of times you want your dog to do stuff, and you're telling your dog um, – 
you know, you're, you're recalling your dog or getting your dog to focus or getting your dog to downstay or, or go to their place. Now, I mean, this particular episode is about that. It's about getting your dog to do something that's very useful to you. And a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast, they're busy people. They're sitting behind a computer or they're commuting back and forth to work. And then when they get home, they have a little bundle of energy. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that you don't train your dog or you don't exercise your dog. That's not the case. I'm talking about balance here. And the balance actually comes by way of, does it make sense to have your your dog bouncing off the walls all the time or your dog that has a lot of high energy to not understand, I want you to do just this. Just lay there. Don't do anything. I have to take a conference call. I have to read something. I have to pay attention to my child. I have to cook something. I have to prepare something. So, I mean, really, this is something you start as, as, as a puppy early on. And, and as far as development is concerned, I think one of the most important things to mention is your dog needs boundaries. And I know I've addressed this in other podcast episodes. Your dog needs to understand, I don't want you to jump on, on the furniture, or I don't want you to jump on me when I walk through the door. You're not allowed to chew my shoes. And, and you certainly can't um, beg from the table and things like that. So what, what do you teach the dog besides that? Now, very, very many people just look at their dog and they yell at their dog, get off, get down, go away. And that doesn't send any message because where's the direction? Go away. Where is away? Okay, human, I throw my hands up in the air. Where do I go? What do I do? What am I supposed to do when I get away? So you teach the dog, teach the dog the appropriate lessons, teach the dog an effective thing to do, a useful thing to do. So how are you going to start this? Enforce a boundary. Now, I mean, one way, um, giving the uh, analogy of um, we're all sitting at the, uh, the the dinner table and we're in our dining room or we're in our kitchen. There are natural boundaries, markers in in the rooms, either doorways or um, sometimes it's it's a difference between going from tile to carpet or hardwood floor. Some sort of environmental change going from room to room. So that's a good uh, boundary to enforce. And I hate to say it, someone, probably you, who's listening to this podcast and want to train your dog effectively, you're probably going to be the person in the middle of that meal to send your dog beyond that boundary and have them wait there. But what should they do when they get there? Make them sit. Make them lay down. Now, what will make this a lot easier for your dog, and to be honest with you, with puppies, it's a lot easier this way. So let's take this situation like this. Let's take it this way. You have a 16-week-old puppy. Well, what are you going to do with that puppy when you eat dinner? Now, my best um, my best advice for that is send your dog to the crate. I can't look at the dog. I'm busy cutting food and feeding myself. Maybe I have a child at the table, a little child. Maybe I'm feeding them. Um, maybe if you're the cook or head of household or mom or whatever, maybe you're serving food. Maybe you're still cooking. Um, maybe you're shuttling food back and forth. You know, in a case of a, of a, of a toddler or an infant, there's one set of food for the, the, the family and there's another set of food for the baby. So what does the dog do? Now, I mean, if you can't lay two eyes on the puppy, especially when you're in the potty training and teething phase, send the dog to the crate. 
keep them in the crate. They're safe there. They're not going to be able to ingest inappropriate foods. If any food falls from the table from, from children or even from, you know, just messy people every once in a while, you miss your mouth, you miss your mouth and it hits the floor. You're not going to have a puppy come in and run and eat, eat something that's inappropriate for them and make them ill. So confinement is, is a great idea. But when the dog's in there, the dog is doing nothing. The dog's just laying there. You don't have anything for the dog to do. You don't, you don't necessarily need the dog to do anything. And that brings up a point. Don't go in there and put the water dish and don't put the food dish and a toy and a blanket and, 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 a, and a pillow and all this other stuff. You have an animal, put the dog in the crate. They will sleep on a hard floor and, and on their own, um, because they prefer it. Just make sure that it's kind of out of the way. Um, I would cover it, so make it den-like. You have to think dark and small. The only room you need is for your dog to go in and turn around and lay down. That's all you need. You don't need anything else other than that. So what else do we need? Um, I would maybe sometimes give the dog uh, a, a high-value food reward to go in there. So you toss a treat going in, and then you give them a treat coming back out when they're finished. But... Maybe you can, if it's an older dog and you, you, you know what, uh, food you're giving, like a, a stuffed Kong toy is really good. You can even feed the, the dog their, their dinner that way, but keep them occupied if they're really super high energy. But the, the real thing I want to teach though is have the dog go in there and their expectation is they should do nothing. Just lay there. And that goes to the humans. Don't come and rescue the dog if the dog's barking, crying, howling, scratching, thrashing, jumping, th- throwing them, their body all around. You have to let them settle. You have to let them settle and you have to value that that settlement. And if that means your meals are kind of noisy for a little while, so be it. But trust me when I say this. If you work hard at it, meaning you don't cave, you don't relent, you don't surrender and let your little puppy out, which then in the relationship dynamic, the dog actually knows that they can manipulate you. If I make enough noise, if I thrash around in my crate, they're going to come and let me out. And then guess what? I can run around in the house. I can get attention that I want. I can get uh, the free food that's going to fall off the table. And maybe if I'm, if, if I'm big enough, I can steal some food. So all in all, it creates the best place for it. But I also gave you guys the example of making, you know, uh, a physical boundary in the room, an actual boundary in the room. So you can separate the dog from, you know, entering from one threshold to another. So walking in from the, the carpeted living room into the dining room, you know, that's maybe wood. So stop the dog before they get in there. So the dog starts to understand, hey, this doorway, this, this change in texture on my feet means something. And it means I can't come in there when they're sitting there. So what do you do with the dog in that point? Well, a good option, you know, especially for a younger dog that's still learning the boundaries, put up a crate. I'm sorry, put up a, uh, put up a boundary, put up a baby gate, put up some sort of gate and a barrier so they can't physically get in there. Maybe so they can see in so they don't try and climb over, but eventually let them settle. To assist that, I think what makes a lot of sense to give the dog a target. So give the dog a rug, a mat. Um, a, a, a doggy bed, you know, if they don't destroy them on their own, um, allow them to go to that place and lay there. So if the dog gets up 50 times during that meal, makes a fuss, makes some noise, send the dog back to that place over and over and over again. The challenge there is, 
And the advantages over the crate, well, you don't have to worry about the dog wandering away. You don't have to worry about the dog going into another room and, let's say, diving into the uh, trash bin and shredding a bunch of tissues that they found. You also don't have to worry about the dog um, chewing on cables or clothing or furniture or anything else, or even just thrashing around and making a lot of noise. They're confined in their crate. They're safe. You don't have to worry about what they're doing. You just have to worry about the noise and worry about it letting it letting it subside, letting it fizzle out, let them wear themselves out, and you hold the upper hand at that point. So if you're doing the boundary, you know, you need something like a physical boundary at first. So you can even take an exercise pen and unfold that and have that be your your fence or your 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 um your baby gate. And that's fine. Um as it gets more advanced, have the dog stay outside of that boundary. Like I said, the dog's in the, in the carpeted living room uh, that borders on your dining room. And that dining room has hardwood floors or has a doorway or something like that. Dog's not allowed to pass the doorway. That means you, you, the dog owner, the trainer themselves, get up and send the dog back every single time they break that threshold. Now, just like positive reinforcement, you know, when the dog goes on the opposite side of that, that boundary, good, good boy, good girl. Okay, down, stay, good. All right. If the dog breaks that boundary, uh, uh-uh, uh, get back, and you send them right back. Hard stop. Don't compromise. Don't negotiate. Make sure the dog does what you want them to do. This establishes an excellent boundary, and I mean, it, this isn't me bragging about my dog, but if, um, if for example, <laughs> if my dog is sitting in the spot I want to sit, I tell her to stand. She gets up, and I reward her. And then she goes and lays down somewhere else. If we're eating something, we don't want her straight at the table. I mean, granted, this is a 55, 60 pound dog. So her nose is right at the, the level of any given table. So she can take anything she wants. Plus, she's a Belgian Malinois. She can jump on the table, take it and run out of the room. And who's going to stop her? Well, I'll tell you who. Us, the family, me. You know, we're going to send the dog out of the room. So when I'm cooking, for example... You know, I could be cooking and, and anything with pork with my dog is like a magnet. Draws her in. Bacon, pork chops, anything like that. She's on it. You know, same thing with some steaks and stuff like that. But she breaks the, the threshold of where it goes from my dining room, which is which is a hardwood floor, into the, the kitchen, which is tile. I send her out and she goes outside of that boundary. And as soon as her toes got on the other side, she knows what to do. She just lays down. She can stay there. She can watch me. She can do whatever she wants, but she can't come into the kitchen. So super important. And then also when we move into the dining room to eat, same thing. There's another boundary that goes into the other room. And she knows the doorway means I can't go. I can't go in there. And all she's supposed to do is lay down. So here's one example of how you can enforce boundaries, how you can actually teach your dog doing nothing is rewardable because what happens when I'm done, I clean up all the plates and, and, and the table, take everything away, or I'm done cooking. Well, the dog gets their reward. Now, a lot of times this makes in this situation, makes a lot of sense to feed your dog beforehand. You know, I mean, a lot of people are like, Oh, my dog begs all the time when, when I'm at the table. Yeah. Are you eating first? And, you know, so many people are like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize I, 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 I sat down. And I didn't feed the dog first. Well, yeah, I mean, if a dog's full, it's a lot easier for them to be less food motivated. So make that happen. You know, make sure the dog eats first, then you eat first. It's just really like preparing for the inevitable. At the end of the day, the dog is not 
your son or your daughter. It's not a sibling. It's not a friend. It's an animal. So when that superpowered nose with all those um, uh, uh, scent receptors smells something delicious, you know, like in my dog's case, if I'm making bacon, you know, she's basically looking at me like, please do, I'll do anything. Please just give me a, a tiny piece of that. And you know what? It very rarely happens that I do give it to her. And when I do, it's never from the table. It's never from from my hand. As a matter of fact, I drop it on the ground or put it in her food bowl. And it's never right after or before one of those meals where those the, those foods are served. And that being the case, it's very limited. Very, very limited. So we don't want her to get fat. We don't want her to get sick on, the, on animal fat or anything like that. So what are some of the other circumstances you need to teach and, and have your dog go to a place or do nothing? Well, I mean, a good example is people that allow their dog in their living room and allow their dog on the couch. Well, what are they supposed to do on the couch? Are they supposed to run around or you're supposed to play with the dog? Don't play with the dog on the couch. If you're trying to watch a movie and your puppy's jumping all over the place, have the dog lay down. I get up and especially I have two guest dogs in my house right now. I will get up and walk across the room and point to the end of the end of the couch or the place I want the dog to go to. And I point and I'll say the dog's name and I'll go here, down. Don't say much, cold, quiet, stern, but not bending. The dog starts to wander away. I body block them, start to get in their way and redirect them into that spot. Keep pointing in the same spot. Don't have to say much. Don't have to repeat myself very often. Just point. And be sure that if you're a little more stubborn than they are, they'll eventually go to the place. As soon as they go to that place and they hit that mark right where you're, you're pointing, verbally reward them. Give them some, uh, some affection. Let them know that this is valuable. And when they lay down, say good and go back to where you were. Sit down. You might have to do this 50, 100, 1,000 times before the dog gets it. But the dog's going to find value in that. And also the dog's going to start to learn a pattern, some consistent pattern. Every time we're sitting on the couch, it's past dinner time, the sun's down, family's watching a movie, we're watching a show, no one's eating, no one's running around, no one's doing homework, no one's talking on the phone, everyone is is relaxed. Well, that's the time for the puppy to relax too. That's the time for the dog to relax too. And we're going to reward the dog for doing that. How are we rewarding? Again, we're doing verbal praise, we're giving affection. Have the dog sit or lay next to you and pet the dog calmly, slowly, you know, start off with petting the dog behind the collar, down to the the back, you know, see if you can get the dog to lay down and give the belly rub. Think massage, think, uh, give, give a, a spa type massage to your dog. That'll relax the dog and encourage the dog to stay in that position because what they find pleasurable and what relaxes you is going to relax them. And it kind of feeds its own cycle. So those are two quick, easy examples. But you're you're teaching the dog, you know what? If you vocalize when I'm when I'm busy, I want you to relax. Um, when there's food food present, give them something that they should do. Now, I know it sounds odd thinking that you have to teach your dog how to relax. But I'm sure there's people that are listening to this right now that might have that high energy golden doodle or a husky or, um, geez, shepherd, Belgian Malinois, um, just high energy dog, you know, um, Jack Russell Terrier. You have to teach the dog what you want them to do, 
when you're not expecting them to do anything. You have to instruct them to do that. And I know it's, it sounds, I, as crazy as this sounds, I talk to clients about this all the time. You know, we're constantly saying, don't do that, do this. Watch me, follow me, come here, lay here, come over here, do this, do that. And they'll say to me, do I have to do this all the time? I said, yeah, most of the time. But the dog starts getting into the pattern and, and gets into the habit. Becomes That repetition becomes predictable and actually becomes something the dog welcomes because they enjoy it because what do they get out of it? They're relaxed. They get um, calm affection from you. Um, everybody wins. And um, it's, it's calming behavior. So one of the things I think I said before in some of the other podcasts – Part of your reward system, I always say, is you're giving the dog attention. You're giving the dog affection. You're giving them praise. You're giving them food rewards. You're giving them play. Well, one of the other ones is giving them the, the calm state of mind. And because a lot of that stuff I just mentioned can kind of be coupled with high activity and higher energy. But that's not really what you're aiming for here. You're aiming for the opposite of that. You're aiming for keep it simple. Right here, down, stay, have a nap, get some affection, get a little massage, get a belly rub, relax. And relaxing is rewarding to you. And the more good you feel about it, the better the dog feels about it. Because seriously, the dog wants to please you. And if the dog doesn't know what to do, if they're confused, if they're misinstructed and just hearing no, 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 all this all the time, the dog's going to be a little frantic. The dog's going to be confused, and then it's kind of like someone that's trying to um, stop an alarm going off, you know, in a in a in a building, and all these you know smoke detectors going off, beeping and beeping and beeping, and there's a button to silence it, but you don't know how to read, and you don't know how to get it on the computer, and how to shut it off, so you just start mashing keys all over the place. Well, that's what your dog does. Dog's like, oh, is it playtime? No. Uh, is it time for me to sing? No. Is it uh, time for me to jump on mommy's lap? No. Uh, is it time to eat? Maybe it is. Okay. Well, let me try that. No, that doesn't work. So the dog gets more and more frustrated and becomes more demanding. Might vocalize more might become destructive, might steal something and run out, run in the other room, will draw attention to themselves. But meanwhile, the last part of this is, you know, most meltdowns in Disney World or Disneyland happen because the child is overstimulated. They got their ice cream cone, they got their Mickey Mouse hat, they bought it, they, the mom and dad bought a toy, they went on Space Mountain, they had a big lunch, and it's hot and it's noisy. And now all of a sudden, they just don't know what to do next. And it's too much for them. So the happiest place in the world actually becomes the meltdown city. And I think any parent that's ever brought their kid to uh, Disney World or Disneyland um, has experienced that. Or just, you know, general places, you know, you go on vacations and stuff like that. It happens, you know, the kid's out too long. Uh, they've had too much sugar. They've had too many activities. It's bright. It's loud. Uh, a lot of activity going on. And uh, you're not telling the kid to do anything, you know, so the kid doesn't have any, any direction. Now, dogs need that direction, but they need it all the time. They need to know what, what you expect of them 100% of the time. But if that means for a good portion of the day is just lay here next to me on the couch while I watch Netflix, so be it. 
So that being the case, guys, I, um, I really appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for uh, all your support. Don't forget, follow me on social media. It's Casper Dog Training on um, uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook. Um, if you want to check me out in person and you're in northern New Jersey area, um, go to casperdogtraining.com slash book online and uh, I can come meet you. I also have a weekly puppy class every Wednesday uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern time, United States um, over Zoom. It's 25 bucks and uh, you can ask me anything. We can discuss different topics. Um, we'll have different topics, just like the, the web, uh, just like the podcast and what we'll go over every week, but I think it's going to be more interactive. And I think a lot of times if some of you join this stuff, it's very valuable. You ask a question and then five to six other people that are on that same zoom call are going to have the same questions and same answers. Cause listen, we're all in it together and that's why we're listening to this stuff. And if you're reaching out for help, if you're listening to this podcast, Hey, you know, it's a face-to-face thing. It's you get to ask a specific question. It goes straight to your dog and you and, and and helps you in your own home. So check it out online, casperdogtraining.com forward slash book dash online. And you can book one of these uh uh sessions. Limited space available, so get on that quick. Um don't forget, write C B D R Y T E C B D and buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Casper. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Be well, take care of yourselves. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.